Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys, because... This could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. 
And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. But I was also uh, uh, addicted to fast food, so I didn't have the palate for mm-hmm. kale yet. <laughs> <laughs> Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you've experienced any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately. All right. Welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Adam Sud, and he's going to share his incredibly life-changing journey with us of beating his drug and food addictions, losing over 100 pounds, and reversing his type 2 diabetes, all by adopting a plant-based vegan diet. We can't wait to share this healing journey with Food Heals Nation. But before we get to our interview with Adam, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Our sponsor today is the Global Healing Center, where you can get 20% off any Global Healing Center brand product. Like Oxy Powder. I love Oxy Powder. It is a safe and effective colon cleanse product that uses the power of oxygen to gently cleanse and detoxify your entire digestive tract. It relieves of gas, bloating, occasional constipation. It it works, Food Heals Nation. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they still have our old favorites, the Parfait Visage Wrinkle Reducing Cream and my fave, the Aqua Spirit Refreshing Spray Beach in a Bottle. Beach in a Bottle, Food Heals Nation. You can also try their O2 Zap ozonated olive oil, and this helps with eczema and acne. So we get a lot of questions about those two. Besides changing your diet, which we know is number one, check out the O2s app. They're all organic, all vegan, all natural. Lots of great products, Food Heals Nation. I buy from them regularly. My whole family does. Check them out at globalhealingcenter.com and use the discount code FOODHEALS for 20% off any Global Healing Center brand product. And Food Hills Nation, don't forget to join our brand new Facebook group at foodhillsgroup.com. You know, it's not even brand new anymore. We started in January and I just feel like the response has been incredible. I love reading everyone's questions, their ideas. They post funny pictures and it's great. I feel like they're just such a great group. I know. I love our group. They're so supportive. This is a private group closed. It's for friends, fans, and guests of the Food Heals podcast who really want to connect to talk about holistic health and healing in a safe space. So check out the group at foodhealsgroup.com. Next up, our interview with Adam. The Food Heals podcast starts now. Today's guest is Adam Sud. Adam grew up in a healthy household. In fact, his father was one of the founding investors of Whole Foods Market. Ironically, even though his dad's company is the mecca for organic whole foods, Adam found himself addicted to fast food and Adderall through college. Just three years ago, Adam weighed 
300 pounds, was type 2 diabetic, a drug addict, a fast food addict, and was suffering from severe depression. While in rehab, he took it upon himself to reverse his type 2 diabetes by implementing a plant-based diet into his recovery program. What Adam didn't know was that nutrition would become the backbone of his entire recovery. Within six months, he reversed the diabetes, and today he is over three years sober and weighs a healthy 170 pounds. Adam became a certified holistic lifestyle coach and developed a program using nutrition as a tool for addiction recovery and relapse prevention. He runs groups at sober living houses and intensive outpatient therapy centers in LA. Welcome, Adam. Hi, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. So I want to delve right into your story because I think it's so incredible and so interesting and just a journey that so many people can probably relate to. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So can you start from the beginning and just talk about growing up? And it sounds like you grew up in a healthier household like Susie did. Um, And I grew up in typical standard American diet household. Susie grew up in vitamins being shoved down your throat household. So what was your situation growing up? Okay. um, Well, I grew up in in Houston, Texas. So while, yeah, I grew up in, in in a household where the Whole Foods market was the regular grocery market. I mean, I didn't. I thought that that's what the regular grocery stores were. We were still in Houston, Texas, which is barbecue and burgers and sure. things like that. So, you know, my dad is. Uh, he's been um, a, a runner, a marathoner for you know thirty, forty years now, and wow. um, he's always had this emphasis on health and a very important emphasis on health. His, uh, you know, his father passed away when he was twenty-five years old to to cancer. And so he has this fear of of watching people who are doing things to themselves that can cause them to get sick because he has a fear of losing people that are close to him. And so health, eating right, exercise, things like that were important to him and they were sort of pushed on myself and my brother and sister from a young age. And it, you know, that's that was how he was choosing to say that you know, this is how I'm going to show my love. Uh, because I don't want you to get sick. I don't want to lose you. But when you're a young kid, sometimes it gets lost in the translation and you, uh, you know, you hear that these foods are no good and then you think, well, if I like them, then what's wrong with me kind mm-hmm. of thing. And and so I had a, you know, a self-image issue from, from a young age, but the food was great. So <laughs> see, this is going to be my problem when I am a mother. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like, these are the foods that are good for you and you can't eat these foods. And I'm sure the kid is going to rebel. So maybe you can help teach me yeah. how I can be a better parent because I'm going to be that parent. Well, it's always, <laughs> it's about making it or not demonizing, right? Like, exactly. like, like I was never allowed. We never bought those junk food kid cereals. Exactly. I was allowed one box a year at Halloween, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And my brothers would eat mine and then eat theirs. <laughs> and I never wanted theirs, but we we were never allowed to have it. And so they made it so forbidden that we wanted even more. Exactly. So it's probably I would I would venture to say we don't have kids yet, but I would venture to say maybe just not saying you know demonizing anything like oh you can't touch it like yeah. you know you're human. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, there's there's no way to know if what you're doing is, I mean, there's no 100% right way to do it. Yeah. Um, I just think that the best thing to say is, uh, you know, these are the foods that, that promote health and, and happiness in your life. And so these are the ones that I want to give to you. There's nothing wrong with you as a person if you like the other foods. This is just the behavior that I want happening in the house because it, I want what's best for you. So you make it about the behavior, not so much about make sure that they understand it's not about who they are and, uh, and that wanting those foods is completely natural. But, uh, you know, it's your job to make sure they're healthy. 
So you're going to be a great dad. <laughs> My mom really hopes so soon. Aww. She hopes so soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to your childhood. So you yeah. grew up, you had a sister and a brother mm-hmm. and your parents. And were you guys into the healthy lifestyle? Were you re- when did you start to kind of reject it? High school. Um, okay. Yeah. Middle school Typical. and high school. Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you know, we had, I think, the last great generation of kids that played outside. That was us, you know, know. before, Uh. exactly. And uh, so I always had a bunch of friends over. We were always outside. And so we were always active. So there was never this, like, you need to go outside and play. It was like, they had to come and pull us in. Right. It's completely different. But, you know, we we like junk food. We like to have pizza parties and things like that. But it never became an issue until, I guess, you know, around puberty when I started to care about what other people thought about me. And, well, that's uh, also when you go and hang out with your friends. Maybe there's a group of girls or whatever. Exactly. You all go get burgers or pizza or something you can yeah. afford because you're young. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's yummy or, you know, that's where you think it's yummy. You exactly. You the naughty stuff. I don't, you know, I, I feel like I've always had a self-image issue and I was never 100% okay with the way I looked, I think, from middle school on. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't overweight as a kid and I wasn't overweight all the way through high school, but I never, I never thought I was, you know, thin, but I look back at myself now and it's like, well, no, I look like a normal kid. Yeah. It's interesting because I was prescribed ADHD medication. The first one was Ritalin in middle school. And then in high school, I found out that when I got put on Adderall, that it could be a great way if I take more to control my weight. Mm. And honestly, that's one of the reasons why I first started to abuse it mm-hmm. in high school. But it was it wasn't it didn't get out of hand until college. I mean, I partied a lot in high school, but yeah, the drug issue never became a problem until college. So you were using it kind of for weight loss, not necessarily for ADD or ADHD. No, I I wasn't I wasn't using it for, for ADHD. <laughs> I was using it to you know as a party drug, you know, recreationally using it to stay up as late as I wanted to and party with friends on the weekend without you know going at a hundred percent without mm-hmm. without having to slow down and and also to to keep me thin. And, um, Did you allow yourself to binge more and then therefore? Oh, yeah. We, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're smiling like a good old day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the way I look at it is like, yeah, I had, my, I had a good run, mm-hmm. but it, that's over with. Right. So um, I think that it's interesting because I tried pretty much every other drug under the sun, but the only thing that really, I just, I got addicted to that you know, going at 110% and never slowing down and, and you feel like your brain is on steroids. Like all you want to do is just research stuff. It's like you feel really productive, but you get nothing done. <laughs> but it sort of tricks you into thinking you're being super productive. And did it calm you down? Because it's, a po- I mean, if you have ADHD, it's Well, here's the to- thing. You're, you're less scatterbrained. You're, you're hyper-focused on one individual task. So you, you seem calm, but you're not because you're, you know, your heart rate is and your blood pressure go through the roof because it is, it is meth. It is one molecule, uh, there's one added molecule to Adderall that makes it different from street meth and the fact that they cut it. It is literally wow. methamphetamine. It was some uh, quote that I read, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skewer it, but it was something about um, rich kids take Adderall, poor kids take meth, and yeah. it's the same epidemic, but we yeah. look at the poor kids like, oh, you know, they're, they're hopeless, and we look at the Adderall addicted like, oh, you know, mm. that's a rich kid problem. More, kid, more people die in this country per year by uh, misusing uh, prescription drugs mm-hmm. than, do, than die from illegal drugs. Mm-hmm. It's something like 300,000 a year just from prescription pills. Which is and, ridiculous. And the other, the other thing that's crazy is something like 
100,000 people a year die from prescription medications that are taken normally. Mm, it's ridiculous. I mean, the, the pharmaceutical game has is, is gotten it's way out racket. of hand. Yeah, it really is. Your brother should make a film about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves being told what to make. We do have... <laughs> <laughs> is that true? <laughs> we do have Bobby in the studio. We're going to talk to him a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you are addicted to Adderall, then you go to college. Then yeah. what happens at college? Um, the I had been using the drug pretty, you know, consistently for I guess two years at that time. I think it started my junior year of high school um, when I really started to have to take it and start to find the the pill bottle in, in my in my house that my mom had because she would give us the medicine every day, and I would like take half of the uh, the bottle from the the refill so that I always had extra to take. And um, so, yeah, my, my, my drug stealing probably started in, in high school. And in college, it just, I needed more. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just, uh, I had to start taking more. And the more I took, the more importance I, it had to be on when am I going to get more because I was running out faster. And then, you know, the, the lying to doctors about, oh, my, my bag was stolen and my Adderall was in there. And so I need you to write me another prescription, which oh, is wow. completely illegal. And then... Um, and were you doctor shopping? Later, I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had like two doctors in, in Austin, one of whom I just recently paid off. I owed her like a grand. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. But uh, the the use got really bad in college, and, and my metabolism started to obviously be destroyed by uh, by the drug. And so I started to gain a little weight in college, but it's, I was still able to, to manage it with a lot of extra working out. Um, and I wasn't really eating healthy. I was eating, you know standard american healthy which is you know lean meat and mm-hmm. and and that whole thing and and healthy cheese mm-hmm. doesn't exist <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um and so uh the other thing is that i i got this amazing opportunity in college we were home for summer right it was a summer break and um we got to work on a film with luke and owen wilson and uh, and, and their brother andrew wilson and it had its awesome cast with Will Ferrell and Eva Mendez, and it was cool. called the Wendell Baker story. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. Um, great movie. Uh, my mom ran into into Luke and, the, and his producers in in Whole Foods, and it's a funny story because she walks up. She she says this is her favorite her her line. She walks up to Luke and goes, "Does anyone ever tell you that you look like Luke Wilson?" <laughs> this, this is how she she breaks into conversation. My mom can have an amazing conversation with anyone and anything at mm-hmm. any time, and she says, "You know, I have these these boys." who are film students and they're from Austin. And if you guys are making a movie here, you know, could they work on your film? And he goes, well, why don't you talk to the producer? He's right over here. And it was funny because the producer, Dave Bichelle, is a, a big fan of Whole Foods at the time. And, and I'm sure he still is. But uh, my mom asked him, can they work on your movie? And he goes, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if you can get us an interview or a meeting with uh, the CEO of Whole Foods, we'll let him work for on the film and she he didn't know who my mom was he didn't know who we were she's like okay just done done (laughs) so wait a minute so the producer had no idea how connected you guys were to whole foods and so okay so tell us about that relationship that's amazing Yeah. yeah So needless to say, we got the job on the movie. Yeah. Um, so your dad grew up with with John, John Mackey. Mackey. Yeah. Okay. They're 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 they've been best friends their whole life. Uh, they played basketball in school together. Uh, they went to the University of Texas together. They they grew up down the street. Um, they, you know, they both have this uh, the nickname game going really well. And uh, you know, 
in in college, John was was like this Renaissance man. He had something like an insane number of credits and no degree. He was just, he's he's one of the smartest people you'll ever talk to, and he just reads and wants to learn everything. So he had apparently he didn't know what he wanted to do, but he got really into uh, the organic. Uh, you know, food thing and, and, and started this store called Safer Way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just a way to, to sell organic produce uh, with some friends. He was a part of this group of friends that were really into the uh, organic hippie lifestyle thing that was going on in Austin at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and it really started to take off and the city of Austin really liked it. And it, and, and it started to grow. And at this time, this is when my dad's um, father passed away. So my dad went home to start running his father's business and the company just Whole Foods became well it they merged with another company called Whole Foods and there was all this growth that was happening and John said why don't you you know come on and and uh and do this with me my dad was one of the founding investors when they were making a company out of it and and then he asked my dad to come on and uh my dad is currently the uh executive in charge of business growth and development for the uh for whole foods market and very cool yeah i'm really proud of it and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of that and be connected to to the, to that whole food story it's so, amazing yeah so you got the job on the film we did That's we got great. we got the job on the film and it was really cool because luke and and andrew owen was it was in the movie uh, a bit but we didn't we didn't get to really talk to him but luke and andrew they were they did this really amazing job of like befriending Bobby and I and, and, and allowing us to experience like the magic of filmmaking without allowing the, the production lifestyle to ruin it. Because a lot of times when you go on set, it's very much not as you imagined it's it. It's not. And we were just like, everyone on that movie was so nice to us. It's just crazy. <laughs> I found out what later, did you guys... this is oh, not, not the way it is most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I was a PA, I, I was treated like garbage. I know, okay? right? But like, I mean... <laughs> It was it was the nicest movie I've ever worked on, wow. and and I got this job with this uh, this company called Action Figure in Austin, and they they produced um, you know movies and music videos and commercials and things like that. But I, I hadn't graduated yet. But what I what I saw was an opportunity to to get out of school and start working in the industry, and and so I dropped out of school and I started working in Austin, and I I was on set a lot and I was working a lot, and I had. You know, I have a lot of self-esteem issues, and a lot of it is, is is partly there's a there's a dynamic with twins where you're always in competition for mm. for attention, and so like I always need to know that everyone knows that I'm capable of doing more than than uh, everyone else at that time, and sure. so the Adderall became a really big problem, and I was taking, you know, upwards of, you know, ninety milligrams at a time. What's a typical diagnosis to put okay. that into perspective? Um, Sixty milligrams a day. So would be the most that they would normally prescribe someone. So normally is I guess like 20 milligrams a day. I was taking like 90 at a time. Wow. And it just got way out of hand until nothing else mattered. My my job didn't matter. I you know, I lost my job and and the weight started to 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 come on and and my life just sort of retreated into my apartment and I didn't care about anyone else cuz I gained so much weight. I was, you know, approaching 280, 300 at the time and I didn't care about anyone. I, uh, I didn't treat people nice. You know, I didn't go out with my friends. They were still my friends, but I didn't go out with them. I started to, when I didn't have my medicine, I, I didn't want to be awake. And so, and I needed something to self-soothe. So I would run out to McDonald's or whatever and grab mm-hmm. like two cheeseburgers, eat it, get in, get a nice food coma and knock myself out until, 
you know, the day came when I could go get more Adderall. Mm. That's what my life was about. And I was blowing all my money on, on drugs and, and pointless, you know, amphetamine driven purchases on eBay in the middle of the night. And, um, (laughs) You know, I started treating my family really poorly. You know, my dad had reached out several times saying, Adam, what's going on here? Uh, you know, you're gaining all this weight. You're unhealthy. You know, I see your, your money is just going away and you have nothing to show for it. He, you know, at one time he called me and goes, do you have a gambling problem? Mm. Um, he was always... He didn't understand what your addiction was about. I mean, he knew. I think that he knew that the Adderall was the main problem, but he wanted me... I guess he didn't want want to just sort of confront me and say... Yeah. You're you're an Adderall addict. He's saying, "Are you an addict? If you are, don't be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get help. I know, you know, he's saying that he knows people who've gotten help and and it's nothing to be ashamed of and and that if you want, I'll I'll, I'll pay for your recovery, whatever." He, he he always made sure that I knew that uh that he would he, he was someone I could reach out to even though I treated him really really poorly. Um you know, I uh I and this is, you know, one of the things I'm I'm really uh, regretful about was the fact that I had no relationship with my dad at that time, other than he was my ATM, mm. and uh, those were those could have been some unbelievable years because now nowadays we have an uh, an amazing relationship, and I get so angry that I lost that. But uh, because he had reached out to me so many times, uh, when I woke up one morning and I looked at my life two months down the line and I saw I'm not going to have rent and I don't have a job and you know I realized that I grew up in a very fortunate situation where I don't have the skills to live on the street Mm. I've I've never experienced anything close to that kind of struggle and I picked up the phone and I called him and I said "I I really need some help and he knew exactly what I meant and he said you know don't worry about it just come over we'll take care of it um, don't be ashamed of it. He goes, I think you, I, I think you're making the right decision. And two weeks later, I checked into to rehab at Sierra Tucson. Wow. Yeah. I so. just got chills because I was just imagining your father getting that call, and you know that's the call he's been waiting yeah. for. Because you know he couldn't do anything until you exactly. decided you needed exactly. help. And, and even though it was so difficult, and you look back, and you're like, oh, that I wish I didn't have to go through that. Probably strengthened your relationship with him. Oh, now. I, it's I, like, I think it did too. And I, I, it makes the relationship today so much more meaningful. You know, I, and and one of the things that I I always am, am uh, aware of and con- try to make a real conscious effort is is never waste an opportunity to to let them know how grateful I am yeah. for allowing me the opportunity to take my life back and get my life in control and also get our relationship back, my relationship with my father, because it's today it's something that it's never been. There's always been this sort of weird. I feel like I have to be some. I always felt like I had to be someone else other than myself in order to please him, and. Uh, and and so it's always been this it, it always felt like a sort of an employer employee relationship and it's just because i didn't know how to relate to him and all he wanted me to be was myself and mm-hmm. and so, so where do you think that that thought or that that assumption came from for you i have no idea um i think that you know because i think a lot of people have yeah that. I, I do too and you know i think that the thing is my dad my relationship with my dad became more difficult the closer i got to the age when he lost his father and I, I think it got its worst when I was 25, in, from the age of 25 to, to 30. And those were the years after my dad's father had passed away. And I never thought that maybe he was the way he was. He was so strict on me at that point. Not strict, but just tough on me. And, 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 and Tough love. Exactly. Uh, because I was now the age when he lost his father that 
you know, he, he was now in the, in the situation of, of possibly losing his son mm. at the age when he lost his father. I oh, never once thought that yeah. this had nothing to do with me. <laughs> um, That's so stressful. You know, yeah. and that, but I was an addict. And when you're an addict, everything is about you. That maybe his, his inability to be emotionally attached or emotionally open with me in certain situations to just talk to me like a father was he was protecting himself from losing his son and not being emo- that as emotionally attached as possible. But, uh, you know, of course, addicts don't think about anyone else but themselves. So, mm-hmm. um, And my relationship with my sister was, I mean, she never talked to me when I was an addict. She answered the phone like twice a month. And, you know, it's because she didn't want it. She, she knew what state I was in when I was on the phone. She could hear it. So, But, you know, my relationship with my twin brother has always been really, really close. And, you know, that's, that's, but that's a different thing. So uh, I could always talk to him. And, and I talked to him, uh, you know, several times a day then and 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 he lives with me now so yeah well that's beautiful hey this is john lee dumas of entrepreneur on fire and you're listening to the food heals podcast where you'll find the tools to become a hotter healthier happier you we'll be right back with allison melody and Susie hardy Food Heals Nation, if you are looking for the highest quality supplements, the most luscious organic skincare, and a brand name that you can trust to be free from toxic chemicals, look no further than the Global Healing Center. I have been using their products for years. Their Parfait Visage face lotion literally makes my skin look younger. And it comes in a beautiful bottle, so it is perfect as a gift as well. And the Oxy Powder Colon Cleanse Capsules are the most powerful detox supplements I have ever used. They get everything out, and they don't leave you feeling full or uncomfortable. The mission of the Global Healing Center is to bring back good health, positive thinking, happiness, and love. And they want to help you realize that your body is a self healing mechanism. Well, I couldn't agree more. So I've teamed up with Dr. Group and the Global Healing Center to bring you a discount exclusive to Food Heals listeners. Go to their website at globalhealingcenter.com, pick out the items you want, and use the discount code FOODHEALS, all one word, for 20% off your purchase, plus free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. 20% off is a great deal, Food Heals Nation. I love their products, and I know you will too. So you went to rehab. Yeah. I went to uh, Sierra Tucson in Tucson, Arizona. And um, it was September, I think it was September 15th is when I checked in of 2012. And I remember walking into uh, to MAS. It was like the craziest, such a surreal experience to think about. But uh, when you first go into rehab, you have to spend at least 24 hours sort of quarantined away from everyone else because they got to do like physicals and blood work on you to make sure that you know everything that you're dealing with. They know everything that you're dealing with and that they're dealing with and that, that you don't have any illnesses that you're unaware of mm-hmm. because they have to make it safe for everyone that's already there. Right. Uh, so I did a full physical, which was humiliating. And um, Why was it humiliating? Just because I was big and, you know, it's like 300 pounds and they got to like strip search you and all that stuff and you you, you feel like a criminal and, mm-hmm. and, and all that. And I was already at a low enough point and then, you know, then they sort of like dehumanize you. Not intentionally, but it happens. And were you there fully, willingly? Were you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you had called your father. Yeah. He, I mean, he flew out. He and my mom both flew out with me to uh, to check me into to rehab. And... So you were committed. Oh, yeah. Okay, I great. was committed. And to be honest, 
this is this is uh, uh, not something I talk about a lot, but part of the reason was was I wasn't a hundred percent committed to getting off the Adderall. I just I knew that I had problems. I was going to say, oh, I'm just depressed. If I can get over my depression, everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. And part of it, there was this part of me that was like, if I tell my dad I'm getting, you know, going to rehab, he's going to think that I'm really taking myself seriously, and he'll keep supporting me. So it was kind of like this selfish way to stay under his his dollar and pay so, your rent. But it's so interesting too because it was doctor prescribed, right? So oh, most yeah. people that probably I would think that have a prescription drug, you know, uh, even if they admit they have a problem or they're do, they're lying about it or they're yeah. you know doctor shopping whatever, they're still like, oh no, I need this. This is my medication. So yeah. you know, yeah. k- kudos I mean, to you for because I, I was prescribed it, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah there was a diagnosis and everything. Um, it doesn't seem like it's the same as abusing street drugs, but it absolutely is. Right? Oh, it absolutely is. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I could have died because at the end I was doing, you know, 400 milligrams a day. Oh, my God. Like, everybody that I say that number to that knows the drug was like, dude, how did you not die? Yeah. Because it speeds up your heart rate oh, yeah. and everything, right? Yeah. And, you know, I was already, at the time, I was also 300 pounds. I, I was an undiagnosed type 2 diabetic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really sick. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in MAS, which is the, the medical 24-hour uh, at rehab, they called me in and they said, well, we got your blood results back. You know you're a type 2 diabetic. And I said, I don't know. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, my blood sugar was over 300. And... I weighed over 300 pounds and my blood pressure was really high and you know it 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 hit me that I think that the the type 2 diabetes diagnosis affected me more than anything else because there was a number it was real mm-hmm. whereas with your depression there's no number on a page that after they talk to you they go okay you're about a 300 yeah. on the depression scale right. or uh, as far as addiction you're a, you're a 300 on the addiction scale I mean, I can say I'm just, I have a really high tolerance, so I can take a lot of Adderall. So it's not really, I'm not an addict. I just need a lot, you know? I could say, well, you know, I'm depressed. I couldn't, it wasn't tangible. There's no enemy to fight. Mm-hmm. Whereas with type 2 diabetes, there was the number. Uh, here was my weight. Uh, I could not deny my responsibility to uh, to the diagnosis because you don't get type 2 diabetes unless you give it to yourself. And and that was a fact that I knew. Like with lifestyle choices. Yeah. Lifestyle choices. I mean, you through the the foods that you eat and the life that you lead, you get type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take responsibility for the first time for my situation in life. Sure. And if I wanted it to change, I had to change everything about living my life. And this sort of realization came to me that. And it's actually been sort of my mantra about recovery was if I'm the cause of my problems, I get to be the solution. Mm-hmm. I if, love that. If someone, mm-hmm. if someone else is causing my depression and my addiction, then I can't do anything until they allow me to change. But if it's my fault, yeah. all I have to do is change and then I can take control of my addiction. So if I'm the problem, I get to be the solution. Mm-hmm. And so when I got out of MAS, I walked straight over to the personal trainer's office and normally you put your name on a list and they get back to you like on week two, maybe week two and a half, and, and then you start working with them. And I just walked into her office and I said, I can't wait to be on your list. I'm really scared. I'm, they just diagnosed me as a diabetic. I want to work with you tomorrow. And she said, okay. And so Because in rehab, you can't really control your food. Mm-hmm. And so I was controlling what I could yeah. and yeah. making sure that I worked out as much as possible and became comfortable with being uncomfortable because right. that is the essence of recovery 
Is, That's a great is being line comfortable right there. with being uncomfortable. Yeah, I was going to be very uncomfortable for the next. I didn't know how long, but it was going to be a while. So I had to deal with the fact that if I have to work out, no matter how much I don't like it, and I'm really not going to like, because exercise strips you of everything, uh, especially if you're dealing with emotions you're not you're not aware of. I mean, I would start crying in the middle of working out and not really know what was going on. I just needed to cry. Yeah. And um, and you you know I didn't like being faced with how far I'd let myself go. Um, a lot of people don't, but I, I, you know, I did what was necessary and then I got out in 37 days and, and they recommended I, I move into a sober living in California, which I did. Um, I moved into transcend sober living and it was there that I said, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and be in control of everything that I eat. But what was, what was really crazy was the food that they offer in sober livings. It's just like kids junk food. Yeah. Is it like hospital food? No, it's worse. It's like oh, that's, really, that's really hard to do. Yeah. It's like frosted flakes and fruity pebbles oh, and, and like microwavable pizzas oh. and, and all that stuff. And I just yeah, looked at worse. it and I said, "There's no way anybody gets healthier here." Mm. And I can't eat any of these foods. And and thankfully, uh, the manager of the house, Phil Hamburger, and his assistant uh, Luke Chittick, they said, "Okay, well, what do you need?" to be successful because they were, they were both under the, they, they, they had these strong feelings about health and, and, and diet and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But you know, they were under control of what they were allowed to purchase. And uh, they said, what do you need? And I said, I'll write you a list. And at the time I had attended Rip Esselstyn's, uh, um, his engine two immersion about a few years before that, one of my dad's last ditch efforts to try and get me to see what, what I was doing to my body. And so I remembered what he had, what all all the stuff that you learned there about the plant based diet. But I was also, a, a, you know, addicted to fast food, so I didn't have the palate for mm-hmm. kale yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you go so, from McDonald's yeah. to kale. It's a big, pretty that's, big. That's jump. a pretty big jump. So what I did was I put on this list. I said, okay, uh, get me oatmeal, egg whites, and uh, leafy green vegetables that I can steam. But primarily at first it was just the egg whites and the oatmeal. And then I would steam like broccoli and stuff like that. And I would eat that during the day so I, I could get it, my palate used to it. But for, for the first about six months, it was just oatmeal and egg whites every day for every meal mm. for six months. Wow. And, Ooh. um, but Sounds what very happened? Bland. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy, but you know, it, it worked because I saw the weight coming off. And at first I had, you know, no self confidence, no self worth. And without self-worth, you don't feel like you're worth saving. Mm-hmm. And I would go to IOP every day and they would try and get me to face these facts about myself that What's I was... IOP? It's intensive outpatient therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to this place called The Canyon. And it's it's about five, four to five days a week of four hours of, in, of group therapy sessions. Wow. Different types of group therapy. Like there's this one called Shift Happens where it's focusing on what do you need to do to make that shift mm-hmm. um, to where you change your, your lifestyle. And then there's stuff like DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy meaning uh therapy sources that therapy that comes from different sources and how you apply it to your behavior on a daily basis in order to see your patterns and things Mm -hmm. like that and at first you know they were trying to get me to see that i was this angry entitled person like i was used to getting whatever i wanted whenever i wanted it and that i was angry if it didn't happen and and my response to not believing that i was angry was you know fuck you and, <laughs> and and walk out, start walking down Santa Monica Boulevard, which happened like on a daily basis for like the first month. But I, during those days, I, I even if I got, you know, too worked up and it was too much for me to handle, you know, and I would leave the next day, I would still come back. And every single day I was eating this diet of 
you know, uh, low fat diet, as much vegetables as I could handle, but just trying to do what was necessary, even if it was uncomfortable. And after two months, I had lost something like 30 pounds and I started to like the person that I saw in the mirror. And I started to feel like even if I actually am this angry, entitled person that I'm probably not going to like, I like this person that I'm creating. So I started to be able to accept these issues that I had. And then the therapy really started to work. If I hadn't done the diet, I don't know how long it would have taken me to accept the uh, the issues that I had emotionally because it's those intangibles that are so difficult to deal with because you know you can't look at it and there's no scale to measure it. So I could be in therapy one week and you know have an okay week and the next week feel horrible and they go, well, we can tell you're making progress and you just have to go, well, I'll just take your word for it because I feel so much worse this week than I did mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult to deal with. We're also using food to self-soothe, right? Yeah. So the one thing that's you're exactly. using to to squelch all the emotions and make yourself feel better is what's making you unhealthy and not yeah. like the way you look in the mirror. And I was in a, a, a sober living house with like 12 other guys who were, you know, in their 20s. And this was football season. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I grew up in Texas and I don't like having to eat egg whites and kale uh, and watch football. And so there was there was plenty of times when I'd be crying when I was eating food because I just didn't. This is not what I wanted to eat, but it was what I needed to eat. Right. And uh, and so after six months, you know, I went to see my doctor, and you know, about a month or so before that, my blood sugar had been dropping to like the high 60s, and you know, I, I was starting to feel real hypoglycemic all the time. So I just stopped taking the metformin, and. Um, you know, he looks at my blood sugar and he goes, wow, your blood sugar is great. This medicine must be working. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And he says, well, I think, you know, what we can do is we can start cutting your medicine in half. And you and were I, already off of it I said, I said, I don't think we need to do that. And he, he said, well, why not? You don't want to, you know, cut it down? And I said, well, I stopped taking it about a month ago. He goes, what do you mean you stopped taking it? <laughs> I said, well, I started eating, you know, this at the time was vegetarian diet. And he yeah. goes, Oh, well, that that works. That makes sense. Now, did you know that... Were you, is that something you were going for? Did you know you could reverse your type 2 diabetes? Yeah. Okay, good. Exactly. That's that's That was what I was trying to do. That was my goal. And the great thing about it is is if that was a goal I was trying to reach every day, then drug use didn't work into it. Um, and, you know, I had to do what I had to do. I had to go to therapy even if I didn't like it. But these other things that I was doing made me feel good about myself. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but what I was doing was when I made those those meals, those healthy meals. Uh, although now I don't I, I don't condone egg whites, but um, what I was doing was they were acts of self care, they were mm-hmm. acts of self love, they were reaffirmations of my sobriety. I was saying to myself, I'm choosing to be a healthier version of me today than I was yesterday. That's an, those are actions of a sober person. Those are actions of someone who wants to get better. Yeah, you know you don't. You don't reinforce a healthy diet that's difficult to do if you're planning on using later um, or if you're planning on quitting recovery. And so I finally, you know, at about w- month eight, I, uh, I'd i lost almost 100 pounds. And wow. um, they, uh, or I guess month 10, I'd lost almost 100 pounds and I moved out of sober living. Mm-hmm. And um, I went like full vegan after that year. I had a weight loss surgery because I had all the extra skin and, and everything. But what what was amazing was that after a year, I went from being on seven medications, antidepressants, uh, ADHD medication, which was Stratera, which is a non-stimulant form of, uh, of 
ADHD medication, mm-hmm. metformin, high blood pressure medication, sleeping medications, all these different things. And I went from being on seven medications to being on one medication, which was the Stratera. The Stratera took me a while to get off of. Mm-hmm. And there's even times when I've taken them uh, recently when I just am just feel like I need it. But, what does uh, that do? It's a it's a non-stimulant um, ADHD medication. Oh, okay, gotcha. And um, I may take it like once once a week, but I'm really trying to just stop taking it. But part of my nature is to think that I need a pill. But mm-hmm. uh, um, mm-hmm. you know that and is that's it a personal physical story. because your body may still be detoxing from all the stimulants? Oh yeah, took? absolutely. I mean, you know, they say that uh, what's what's interesting is because I've been I've been uh, a whole food plant based vegan now for almost two years or a little over two years but i won't be a full vegan for seven years because it takes seven years for your body to regenerate all its cells so my cells that are still in my body are still my drug addict cells Mm -hmm. so i i I made that joke to my brother i said yeah i'm not really a full vegan yet because i still have some (laughs) you know animal products and drug cells left in my body but um no but that is true in seven years you can have a completely different body than the one you had seven years ago yeah and it doesn't mean you have to start from right now. Oh my God, different body. But if you start making those changes, then exactly. you know every year your body gets healthier. Yeah, I mean we are what we eat, a hundred percent. But what was interesting is that people were telling me, you know, you know, you lost all this weight in sober living. No one loses weight in sober living. Most people gain weight in sober living. Mm-hmm. And I saw that. I saw a lot of the friends that I made gaining weight going on more medications, getting depressed because they're gaining weight, going on sleep apnea, um, the CPATs and and all that stuff, and sleeping medications, which are so bad for you, or going on type 2 diabetes medications. Um, And the thing is, especially if you're new into recovery, you're already being put on a lot of medications because the, the fact is when you first go into drug rehab, you're a pretty sick person. I was very sick. And so medicine treats disease. And so for the most part, you need those medications at that moment because you're very, very sick. And so you're already being prescribed medications. If you're being put on more, you just think this is part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not this is not a problem. I'm being put on medications almost every day right now. This is normal. And it's not normal. The more medications you're being put on should be an indication that that's more disease that you're fighting in your body. Yeah. And that whatever recovery method you're using may be effective, but some part of it is causing you to get sicker. And um, so if medicine is a uh, is to treat disease, the more medicines you're on, the more disease you have. Yeah. And I was the only person from this sober living to go off of almost all of their medications before he left. I mean, that's, that's that incredible. Be the, but shouldn't that be the goal? It should. Yeah. And have you ever met um, Khalil Rafati? No. So he's someone I interviewed as well. And basically his story, is, it's very similar, but he got off, he was a complete drug addict, not even Adderall, like street drugs. And he got off all of the drugs and did juicing and a vegan diet. And he said the problem with these modern day facilities is that they just trans for your addiction it is, yeah. to cigarettes, mm-hmm. coffee, unhealthy food. Exactly. You go to any AA meeting tonight yeah. in LA, I guarantee you there's going to be coffee and donuts. Exactly. Sugar and yep. caffeine. Yeah. Sugar is one of the most addictive things on the planet. 100%. Not only yeah. that, it has the same effect on the dopamine release in your brain yeah. that cocaine and heroin have. These are people who are already dealing with cocaine and heroin issues. Right. And you're going to trigger their brain in the same exact way. Yeah, they're how, missing how something. Does, how does that? How does that work? Well, it's and like I, they think it's the lesser of an evil, right? It's just sugar. But, right. It's just. Gonna, it's only <laughs> going to make you sick for a long time before you die. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, you know, it's a destructive substance that is chemical based, artificially created, and it creates disease in the body, and it's addictive. Right. 
that's a drug. I mean, no matter how you look at it, you're trying. Just uh, because it's legal doesn't mean it's okay. Exactly. Alcohol is legal. Yeah. Um, recovery should be about not a specific substance, but from destructive lifestyle habits. Mm-hmm. And I had several. My worst was probably, if, if you think about it, the one that was killing me the fastest wasn't the Adderall. It was the food. Mm-hmm. Because I was going to die from being a high, having high blood pressure, 300 pounds, and a type 2 diabetic. Right. Probably well before I, if I overdosed from Adderall. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the destructive lifestyle habit, that is such an, um, that's one thing that food has an amazing ability to, because your body wants to heal itself. It has an incredible ability to heal itself yeah. if you feed it the foods that it needs to do so. And that's, that, that's one of the most profound discoveries that I've, that I've made over the last three years. And I really think that, you know, the stuff that I learned from Rip Esselstyn, uh, and what he's doing and, and people like, uh, uh, like John McDougal and Dean Ornish and Joel Furman, these people, that their medicine sh- is the future of addiction recovery. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, we're every, every, single, every single person that they work with is an addict. Mm-hmm. They're addicted to some form of destructive substance. Some whether kind they of food, know it or not. Whether they know it or not. Whether it's be- and it's because it's not illegal that they don't think that it's, right. that it's an addiction. And, you know, I think that that whole, whole plant-based diets... Uh, are, are, can be the most profound medicine that you'll ever put in your body. And that if it's not being utilized in addiction recovery, it's a disservice to every addict. But I know how, I know that there's a stigma around, you know, the, the vegan diet, but... Which is it, unfortunate, it is but it's so also, unfortunate. it's raising in popularity that I think that even though it seems like, oh, it's just another trend, like gluten-free and sugar-free and fat-free, it really is the future. And it all really, the doctors, like, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. are really promoting this and putting it in all these films that we're all able yeah. to see now, which is great. And I really think it is a movement, and you're on the forefront of it, and so are we, you know? Yeah. And that's all the knowledge we want to spread. I know you said you learned from Esselstyn yeah. about the plant-based diet and its ability to heal, but at that time, you were still... addicted right oh yeah so when did that set in when did that connection happen see it was you know and and like i like i mentioned earlier when i went into uh, rehab i was doing it thinking that if i figured out why i was depressed yeah then i would be you know i could stay on the adderall and that wouldn't be a problem but i got diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic Mm -hmm. that's when it became like a need to do i needed to do this now yeah um when I heard it all, you know, I went because my dad, at the time it was available uh, to only to Whole Foods employees. Whole Foods Market does this amazing thing with the Engine 2 immersions where any employee of the store who is on a bunch of medications or is overweight or is unhealthy, living an unhealthy lifestyle, if they want to learn how to take control of their life through a plant-based diet, Whole Foods will pay oh, wow. for them to attend the, whole, the Engine 2 immersion, which is like $5,500 a person. Wow. Oh um, my God, I love them even more now. Right? <laughs> and so, yeah, they get all this bad press and it's just ridiculous. But, um, well, nobody's perfect and everyone's going to have a problem with something. Right. But um, uh, at the time, it was open only to Whole Foods employees. But my dad said, you know, I think that there's a spot open. I'll get you the spot. You know, I really want you to go do this. And, um, you know, at the time, I was like, oh, this is him just saying I'm not good enough or whatever. But I went, you know, to please him. But thankfully, he was that type of person who was just like, he, he was the kind of, of father that gave me every opportunity to to uh, to learn how to take care of myself, and um, and so when I needed that information, I used it. 
and then I went back and I got certified as a, a holistic lifestyle coach and I developed this program where because I really think that the the amazing thing that this the, that these foods have the amazing ability these foods have is is to build someone's self-worth because mm-hmm. they feel they can see how much change they can make in their own lives just by by the foods that they eat that they're in direct control of it that 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 gives you this feeling of hope that they're that you're not a lost cause that yeah. there is you're never at a situation where there's nothing you can do and having self-worth like i said makes you feel like you're worth saving and without self-worth what's the point of getting up in the morning mm-hmm. and uh you know i went from having a life where i i hated myself i hated the person i was emotionally i hated the person i was physically i had no you know valuable tangible co- connections with anybody and and today you know, I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm healthier than I've ever been. Um, you look extremely healthy. Thank you. Um, my uh, my dad and I uh, are running the New York Marathon together this year, and um, you know, I've I've never I've never been in a place where I wake up every day and I'm excited about my life. Mm-hmm. And and because I have the family that I have, the brother who who you know, and I I treated I treated. <laughs> um, I I treated him really really badly. Uh, a lot. I stole from him, and I cheated him, and and I did a, a a lot of really bad things. And he he you know he would never abandon me, and he would never you know uh, cut me off. And I think that he knew that when when I was ready to change my life, that I would. And the last thing I needed was for him to give up on me. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why when you know I so badly want want to um to pay him back yeah and i love him you know every every one of my family has just been that they're, they're, they're remarkable people my sister is this incredible educator uh in denver and she uh when she was in second grade a teacher told her that they didn't know she was dyslexic she's dyslexic uh told her you're too stupid to ever learn to read we're giving up on you oh and um and now she teaches kids that age um, and she's a Montessori teacher and she never wants another kid. I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, how do I even compare it to the rest of my family there? You know, I'm, I'm kind of the, I feel like I'm the black sheep, but I, it's just amazing to be a part of these people's lives and, 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 and I'm grateful for them. So That's it's, so it's pretty amazing. So it sounds yeah. like you have a very loving family. Mm-hmm. I do. They're they're great, and we have great dogs. <laughs> <laughs> As do we. Yep. <laughs> that are very vocal. Yeah. So. Thanks for listening, Food Heals Nation. We'll be back next time with part two of our interview with Adam, and we'll be talking to his twin brother Bobby as well. You know, I love what Adam is doing for this for his brother. It's just, um, it's almost like he's reliving his experience i don't know it's because they're twins it's like he's he's recreating his experience but from a um a higher perspective having gone through it before himself yeah it's really interesting because normally if someone is helping you they haven't had the exact same experience as you but in this case not only are they having a similar experience but they have the same dna so (laughs) we know we know what works when it's worked for one one twin it's probably going to work for the other so that's pretty amazing emotional support of his brother as his like cheerleader so Absolutely. It's it's beautiful. Our tweetable today comes from Adam. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That is the essence of recovery. I love that. If you like that quote too, tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. If you want to learn more about Adam, you can follow him on Instagram at adamsud82 or find him on Facebook. 
And check out their website, sudbrothers.com. And for all the show notes from today's episode, go to foodhealsnation.com slash 68. And we'll have part two of Adam's interview next time on the Food Heals podcast. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately.